0: So let me guess, you're the ones who've moved into Middle Tennessee from other parts of the nation, Colorado, Chicago, and because if you're from the South, you're at the grocery store, and um, I don't know what we do with all that milk and bread, but that's what you got to have if it snows in the South, so Uh, we are glad that you are here and uh, and trust uh, your 2019 is off to a good start. We're told by people who stay up late at night and study these things that we are a nation of procrastinators. That all of us have big plans and all of us have big dreams but getting those things started seems to be a particularly tough thing for us to do. There is genius in the beginning we're told and if you get it started we're told then everything will start to Uh, flow and you can get the deed done. But most of us can never get started. And and we know the drill, don't we? Uh, It's Saturday. Your task list is clean up the garage. So you go out to your garage. You raise the garage door. You look at your garage and you close the garage door. Just not today. Just don't have... Whatever I need to have. There is something about projects that are so big, so overwhelming, that we literally do not know what to do next. We can't figure out where to start. So imagine if your task was to reach the whole world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where would you start? How would you begin? Well, interestingly enough, the Apostle Paul answers that question to young Timothy. It's in the second letter to Timothy, chapter 2. Stand with me in honor of God's Word. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will also be able to teach it to others. SHARE IN THE SUFFERING AS A GOOD SOLDIER OF CHRIST JESUS. NO ONE SERVING AS A SOLDIER GETS ENTANGLED IN THE CONCERNS OF civil, uh, CIVILIAN LIFE, BUT HE SEEKS TO PLEASE THE COMMANDING OFFICER. ALSO, IF ANYONE COMPETES AS AN ATHLETE, HE'S NOT CROWNED UNLESS HE COMPETES ACCORDING TO THE RULES. THE HARD-WORKING FARMER OUGHT TO BE THE FIRST TO GET A SHARE OF THE CROPS. CONSIDER WHAT I SAY, FOR THE LORD would GIVE YOU UNDERSTANDING. everything. The Lord will give you understanding in all of these things. What you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will teach others. This is God's Word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. From you to Paul, from Paul to Timothy, from Timothy to all the churches, and at last, finally down to us. We face such a daunting task that we don't even know where to begin. So help us hear your instruction to Timothy and know what we need to do to begin. And We pray this in your name. Amen. We think 2 Timothy was Paul's last letter, and it wasn't long after this that Paul was taken out to the Ampian Way where he was beheaded. We have three letters from Paul to pastors: Titus and First and Second Timothy. And as you can imagine, these are inc- uh, very important letters, and they are some of the most important letters that the church has held on to. Uh, and the reason is these are very practical instructions to leaders of congregations. This is how you choose leaders. This is how you find those leaders. This is the ministry and how it's to unfold. Uh, on and on the list goes, and we find some very recurring themes. One. Paul encourages Timothy to hold on to the faith that has been given to him. Throughout the letters Paul lists names of people who started in the faith and didn't finish. Uh, Maybe they were tripped up by some heresy. Uh, Maybe they were ambushed by some secret sin. But for whatever reason they started strong as a partner with Paul and either became his enemy or abandoned him altogether. So Paul encourages Timothy, keep the faith that I have poured into you that's been called out in you from the witness and the teachings of your mother and your grandmother and the early church, those who have recognized uh, your ministry and and called you out, laid hands on you to give you the authority to do your ministry. And don't back down from that. Preach and teach at every occasion. Uh, Use every opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ and Titus was sent to Crete. Timothy we we believe was left in uh, uh, Ephesus. And they're given parallel instructions. What do you do first? Now we know how to start churches. We know how to do churches. We have it mechanized. Uh, We have a system. And what you do is you draw a big crowd. Uh, you try to do some kind of entertainment. You try to do some kind of wow factor, uh, so that you will draw a lot of, uh, of attention, a lot, a lot of people so that the news people will come out and, and do a, a report on all that you are doing. You want to get on social media. You want to create a buzz. We know how to do that. That is exactly opposite of what Timothy was told to do. THAT IS EXACTLY OPPOSITE WHAT JESUS MODELED FOR US TO DO. SO WHAT do YOU DO FIRST, TIMOTHY? FIRST, YOU FIND FAITHFUL MEN. YOU FIND FAITHFUL LEADERS. YOU POUR YOUR LIFE INTO THOSE LEADERS WHO WILL THEN POUR THEIR LIFE and to other leaders. Now, <laughs> this is not a new thing. This process of leader training, leader is as old as Moses himself. Do you remember the story? Moses is leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. They get out of Egypt, they get on the journey, they're in the middle of the desert, and Moses is overwhelmed by the details and responsibilities of leadership. Everybody that has an issue, everybody that has a question comes directly to Moses. So we're told in the, in the story that Moses sits in the chair from the early morning until late at night, listening to everybody's gripes and complaints and making rulings. It was wearing him out, it was wearing his people out. His father in law, Jethro, the first management consultant, <laughs> comes and says, hey Moses this is not going to work. You're going to burn out and your people are going to get frustrated. Why don't you find people who are good with ten and put them over groups of ten. Find guys who are good over hundreds, put them over hundreds. Find guys who are good at thousands and put them over thousands. That way the really big problems will get to you and everything else can be settled at lower levels this is not a new thing. This is way, way back in the Old Testament. And you would think God is really frustrated with us because he seems to be saying to us, you folks don't listen. I've been telling you the same thing over and over and over again, and yet you still don't get it. Find those faithful people. Now, Let's stop here just a minute and talk about leadership. Uh, it, there is a whole culture of leadership studies and leadership training. If you Google leadership, you will have pages and pages of books, trainers, consultants,. And, 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 and the real question is, if we're so good at leadership, why is there so little of it in our country? Now and the frustrating thing is is that the church steals corporate leadership and tries to do church under corporate leadership principles and we're surprised it doesn't work. Now good sense is good sense. Okay? Uh, We run our finance department, uh, our our, our budget according to every uh, standard of great accounting. All truth is God's truth. Okay? Good sense is good sense. But Jesus and the church looked for different kinds of leadership. God looks for a different kind of person. Now, Do you remember when the Hebrew children chose their own king? They chose a guy named Saul. And he sounds like a presidential candidate. Okay, look how he's described. He was tall. Most of our presidents are over six feet tall. Did you know that? He was good looking, he was charismatic. Everybody looked up to Saul. His reign was an absolute disaster. God tells Samuel, go to the house of Jesse, I'll show you the next king. Samuel goes to the house of Jesse. Jesse brings all of his sons to see Samuel. They're tall, they're good looking. And and Samuel keeps saying, maybe this one. And every time God says, no, not that one. Finally, Now get this. Listen to the story. Finally, Samuel says to Jesse, do you have any more sons? What father forgets his son? What did Jesse do? Turn around, one, two, three, four, five, six. Hey, I think we're short one. Yeah, there's David. Where is he? He's keeping the sheep in the field. Go get him. Why? Because God tells Samuel, I do not judge people the way that you do. I look at their heart. Not how tall they are, not how charismatic they are. I look at their heart. I'm looking for people who are faithful. Now, (laughs) do you hear that as a compliment? Here we go. Somebody walks up to you and goes, hey, do you know Mike Glenn? Yeah, I know him. Well, tell me about it. Well, he's faithful. (laughs) Come on now. Come on now. What what does that mean to us? It means, well, he doesn't bring a whole lot to the party, but he shows up. (laughs) (laughs) And if success is 98% showing up, well, Mike's going to be there. Faithful. That's what Jesus is looking for. Now, this is one of the most frustrating things in the world for me. Because you tell me, you know God has a call on your life. You know God wants you to do something. You know there is something big for you. And, and, and I can tell from your gifts and, and, and your experience you know, that, that that is probably true. There is some kind of opportunity for God to use you in a big way. You want to graduate college. You want to be, be but you won't do first grade. What do I mean by that? Because when I start asking you about the time you spend in Scripture, the time you spend in prayer... Well, you're too busy for that. You intend to. You mean to. You're fixing to get ready. But it doesn't ever happen. How is God going to teach you the second and third lesson if you won't learn the first? Now, what would happen if somehow. Uh, Eric Clapton walks up to you tomorrow. Or the world's world's greatest guitar player. Maybe Dwayne Allman I could argue but we'll do that another time. Let's just say that Eric Clapton walks up and says, hey I've watched you. You have some talent. Why don't you meet me tomorrow morning and I'll teach you how to play the guitar. What would you do? You would call every appointment you had on Tuesday. Right? (laughs) I can't be there. I have to cancel. Please ask me why. (laughs) And yet Jesus says, I'll meet you. And when you open the Word, I will teach you just like I taught the 12. And I will teach you great and wonderful things you don't even have an idea to ask about. And I'll teach you in the privacy of this conversation. And when the moment is ready, and when you're ready, I'll reveal you to your purposes and to the community and world around you." Find those faithful people, those people who have been walking after Jesus for a long time, and then who will pour their lives into other people. Now. A lot of us love Jesus. We love being with Jesus. We love the scriptures. We love the study. We love everything we learn. We just don't like people. Come on now. It was just me and you talking. I'll stand. Okay. And you've tried it before. You've you, 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 you tried to be in a Sunday school class. You've tried to lead a group and the people aren't serious. The people don't show up. Uh, uh, they're, they're frustrating. They're aggravating. They do stupid stuff. Right? You'll be in one of your meetings. Somebody say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. And you say, hey, that won't work out. This is, this, that's a disaster. And they go, do it anyway. Then they call you on the phone go, hey, you know, I did what you told me not to do. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't work out. Well, and I now, no, you don't have to go to zero. You've got to go back to this person in the negative numbers. You've got to work real hard, just get back to zero. And it's really easy to say, you know, I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm frustrated with this. I don't want to do this. I love you, Jesus. But I just don't want to spend any time with people. It is frustrating. But what happens if, Ti- if, if Titus gets real, real close to Jesus, but doesn't tell anybody what happens if timothy grows deep and rich in wisdom and never shares that with anybody you know titus and timothy told somebody, told somebody who told somebody who told somebody who told me who told you now paul seems to be anticipating that question because his next his next thing is be prepared to suffer now let's, let's hold it just a minute and, and let's understand what he means by suffering. Uh, spending holidays with your in-laws is not suffering. Uh, having, a, a teenager that slams the door in your face, thats eh, not suffering. That's life. Okay? Life is hard. Life is difficult. And there's some pain you endure just by being on this planet, just by being a human being. There are two types of pain that this word refers to. One, it's the suffering that happens when Jesus begins to deal with those deep, embedded, deeply rooted sins in your life. Okay, you start following Christ, you start learning from Christ, and you deal quickly with those superficial sins. Uh, You know, you don't curse in public Uh, you're not mean to people, you know, those kind of things. Right? Then you get to those sins that you really like. Those sins that you kind of take care of, that you kind of nurture. Pride. uh, Ego. These are ones that have taken deep root in the soil of your soul. And you and I know how hard it is to get stumps up. And some of us are dealing with the stump of habitual, deeply rooted sin. And when Jesus pulls it out, it hurts. And that's one type the pain of the process of becoming more like Christ. The second one is the cost of the mission. Now, if you grew up in Southern Baptist churches like I did, you would always hear the story of the missionary who was sleeping in a hut in the deepest, darkest Africa or sleeping in the desert trying to reach somebody for Christ. What is the pain that you and I will endure for the sake of being able to share with someone the gospel of Jesus Christ? What are you willing to endure? What are you willing to pay? What's the price? Everything has a cost, and you pay for it one way or the other. Now suffer is a good soldier, which means one, you stay out of civilian business. That doesn't mean you're not involved in local government or anything. But it does mean you don't spend a whole lot of time with things that don't have anything to do with the kingdom of God. They don't last. you endure it. You pay it. You keep your focus on pleasing the Lord Jesus Christ. You compete and you discipline your body so that you can compete and win as an athlete. You discipline your time and your focus and your work like a good farmer so that the harvest is plentiful and can feed not only you and your family but many, many people in the community. Faithful people. Who will then pour their lives into other people. We do that in the training of our pastors, our campus pastors. We do that in the training of our leaders. You'll hear a lot more about the Leadership Institute and how we're going to be training everybody to be involved. We we, we want to start a hundred churches. And that means a lot of you will be involved in the the beginning of those hundred churches. So we pour our life into you. And you will then pour your life into someone else. And what happens is the family of God is recreated. Brothers and sisters find each other. Parents find new children. Children find new parents. And some of you will get involved in the life of a young couple and you will reparent them in the teachings of the lord you hear that you will reparent them because they didn't grow up in a family that taught it they didn't grow up in a, a, a family that lived it you will show them what a committed marriage looks like you will show them what a committed parent looks like and you'll preach all those sermons Sometimes not using words. How do we find these people? Well, Jesus gave us the answer you'll find them by their fruit. A bad tree doesn't give good fruit, a good tree doesn't give bad fruit. We look for the results of a life that is anchored solidly in Jesus Christ. Now, I know you're doing all the math. There's 1.8 million people in the greater national area. 1.3 of them are lost or unchurched. There's 91 different people groups, 135 different languages. How in the world are we going to do that? Well, it's very simple math. One person reaches 10. Each of those ten reached ten more. Each of those hundred reached ten more. Each of those thousand reached ten more. Each of those ten thousand reached ten more each, and now you have a hundred thousand, and it's just a handful of years and you reach everybody in Middle Tennessee. A few more years, and you'll reach the entire nation. But first, you have to start. Now the good news is, we don't need many of you to start. After all, Jesus started all of this, which is twelve. Amen. Let's pray together. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, thinking about your own life. For some of you, it is about taking that very first step, and it may be as simple as pulling out a piece of paper and writing down when you're going to begin your Bible study and prayer time. just when, This is the appointment I'm making. I'm putting it on my calendar. And it may be you pull out your calendar and you, you make the appointment with Jesus and say, this is where you and I will meet. This is where you and I will talk, study your scripture, and you begin that process. Maybe it's to get involved in a group. You go out to the uh, big table there. It says, next step, get started there. They'll help you with this process, or maybe it's the very, very first step. You had no idea there was a plan. You had no idea Jesus was at work. The only thing you know is how messed up you are. And now you hear that Jesus is at work and has a plan, and his death means something to you, and his resurrection means something to you, but you don't know what. Don't leave with those questions unanswered. Our friend, our ministers, our counselors are standing out at a table, says, next step, you can't miss it. Just go and say, hey, I want to know more about what Mike was talking about, and they'll pick it up from there. But don't leave not knowing who he is, not knowing who you are. Wherever you are, however you have come, our Lord is waiting for you where you are. And the church will wait for you as you come. Lord Jesus, every life is now open, every heart. So we pray the choices we make are exactly what you want.